My name is Ron. I get to be one of the pastors here. And it's a joy to have you on this first service of our Christmas Eve services. And from what I saw in the weather forecast, you're the smart crowd, okay? For tomorrow, <laughs> it's going to be raining all day. And uh, I tell you, it's still, we'll be, it will be packed tomorrow still. But it's so glad that you're here. If you're watching online, just so glad that you joined us there as well. And so what we're going to talk about just for the next couple of minutes is we're going to talk about how Jesus came and he came to bring peace into our neighborhood. We've been in a series that we've walked through as we've observed Advent for the last few weeks, and we've been talking about the idea of him, him coming to earth and what he came to bring, and our series has been based on some verses from uh, one verse from John chapter 1, verse 14, from the message paraphrase. So I'm going to put this up on the screens right here, and I'm going to ask you to help me out, and let's read it out loud together, okay? Ready, go. The Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one of a kind glory, like Father, like Son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. See, so notice that line there. It says, the Word became flesh and blood, and moved into our neighborhoods. So there's kind of three ideas here. The first idea is this, is that this is a saying to us for everyone to know that Jesus, when he came, is God. That when he came, he came in flesh so that he could be like us. And then the last thing is he came to, into our neighborhood. He came into our world that he might offer us several things. And the thing, thing we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about him offering Peace. Now, this verse, this is where we got the idea for the series title that you see right there, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, right? When heaven came to earth. That's when Jesus came, a beautiful day in the neighborhood. And it also ties in with another theme that we've looked at in this series, and it has to do with a man by the name of Mr. Rogers. You guys heard of Mr. Rogers, right? And Fred Rogers is his actual name. But Fred Rogers sensed a calling from God to start a show for children and with the dream of spreading the message of the love of God through the medium of television. How many of you watched that show? Did you watch that? Your kids watched it? Maybe you heard it in the background in some way. How many of you have seen the documentary that's out, came out this summer? Highly recommend that you watch that. That's where I got hooked on Mr. Rogers. I confessed to our church. I'd never watched Mr. Rogers. You know, I've just didn't quite appeal to me. And so as I watched him uh, in the documentary, though, I fell in love with him as I, you know, just was seeing him for the first time, cried several times, all right, during the documentary. And so uh, I just want to highly recommend that you might take some time to watch that uh, for several reasons. In case you're wondering who Mr. Rogers is, though, my daughter said, who's Mr. Rogers? Okay. So in case you're wondering, let's just take a look at this clip of the start of every show that he did. Let's make the most of this beautiful 
beautiful day since we're together. Might as well say, would you be mine? Would you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you please? Won't you please? Please, won't you be my neighbor? Oh my goodness. Yeah, so. I immersed myself in Mr. Rogers. I've uh, read countless articles. I have a stack of six books on my desk. Uh, and I have watched countless YouTube videos as well about his life and who he is. And I just want to tell you that as I've learned more and more about him and the source of who he was and who he became and the influence he had, I just want more and more want to emulate him with my life. Really do, and the things he did. He um, based his show on this idea that he had learned from Jesus Christ. When Jesus says these words, he was asked, what's the most important commandment in Mark chapter 12? Jesus said this. He says, the most important commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And then he says, and by the way, the second one is is that you would love your neighbors as you love yourselves. And so this was the impetus for his show. We are to love everyone as neighbors by treating them as we ourselves would like to be treated in a neighborly way, as Mr. Rogers just saying there in that tune that he wrote and performed himself. So I just want to encourage you that you might want to get to know Mr. Rogers as well. Uh, one of the books that's really highly influential for me was called The Simple Faith of Mr. Rogers, and it was uh, written by a woman who got to know him really well. He was really open about letting people into his life, and she learned the source of his strength, the source of his inspiration was his deep faith in God. His walk with Jesus Christ, he was an ordained minister. As he was ordained, he was ordained to spread the gospel through the airwaves. And two children specifically, and he did that. He de- she details in this book about his personal strength, his discipline, how he would begin every day with two hours of Bible reading. And he didn't just read the Bible in our English translations. We have lots of different translations to look at. He would read the Bible in the original languages of Hebrew and Greek, And then after that, he would go swimming, and he would pray, and he would pray for the countless people who were in his world. He had a constant, ongoing dialogue with God about people and his influence in their lives. He wanted every child and every adult who watched the show to know how deeply they were loved. Thus, his famous phrase that he said, you are special, and I like you just the way you are. Now, that wasn't just empty talk. He based that on his understanding that God made everyone in his image and that everyone was made special by God, that God loves everyone. And Mr. Rogers was hoping that everyone would know that love. That's why he spoke the way he did. And even though he didn't say it, he was just saying to himself, as he said the words, he said, you are special to God just the way you are. He loves you. He was a man also who wanted everyone to be able to live in peace. He wanted to bring peace into his neighborhood, even though he was a pacifist as he approached life. And he knew, though, that peace was just much more than ending war. In fact, here's this quote that's very famous. He says this, peace means far more than the opposite of war. Mr. Rogers, Fred Rogers knew that peace was something that you gained through personal knowledge and experience with the God of the Bible 
in Jesus Christ. Now, peace, as we think about it, means many things to many different people. Some people think it means the absence of conflict. Others would say it means harmonious relationships. And some of you are praying for those when you have your Christmas dinner, right? Harmonious <laughs> relationships as you come together. Some people think it means tranquil settings. And, so, and some of you are all thinking about if I get everything together, I get all my ducks in a row, I get all the Christmas wrapped, I, I can finally sit down and enjoy it for maybe 30 seconds before the cleanup chaos begins, right? That's your moment of peace. You think if that happens. Some of us, we just think that peace means favorable circumstances, but the Bible has a way of looking at peace that's different than that. And I want to talk about that for just a minute. Today, I want us to move beyond maybe what we would call, I'll call a Hallmark Channel view of peace, and that we would move into what the Bible says about peace. The Hebrew word for peace in the Bible is the word shalom. Shalom is a state of being. The way we define it here is this. that's nothing broken. Nothing missing, everything as it ought to be. That's the way God made the original world in the Garden of Eden. And then the fabric of shalom was broken when the first sin came into the world through Adam and Eve. That perfect environment. And then it was broken. And then the rest of history is God restoring shalom. Restoring nothing broken, nothing missing, everything as it ought to be to his people. But Shalom's much more than just a perfect place. It also represents a perfect relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And so when Adam and Eve sinned, the relationship was broken between mankind and a holy God. And so Shalom means a restoration of that relationship. Shalom peace is not found in making our circumstances better. It's found in us getting to know Jesus and experiencing him. And we know from the original Christmas story in the account that that's what the angel said. I want to read these verses from Luke 2. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. And so this is the moment when Jesus came, but it was predicted that he would come all the way back in Isaiah chapter 9, and it gave a description of Jesus. I want to read this prophecy about what Jesus would be. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Now, the word that's used there is shalom. So Jesus is the Prince of Shalom. He came to restore shalom. So shalom now is when Jesus came to earth to bring peace for our neighborhood, came that we could know the peace of God. And so Jesus' birth is really a beautiful day for our neighborhood. When the Bible refers to peace or shalom, it gives us a hope that we can have a way of living that's full of God's presence and full of the Holy Spirit with us. Here's what Mr. Rogers says about what it would take to know God's peace. He said this, I have long believed that the way to know a spiritual sense, and this is peace right now, a spiritual sense, is to know it in our real life. So we have to experience it in everyday life. I think the best thing to understand about God and peace is to know about peace in our everyday lives and experience it. And we're going to talk today about how we, how you and I, can know the kind of peace that the Bible said that Jesus came to bring 
that is effective in our everyday lives, not just in our church life, not just you know, in someday preparing us for heaven, but now how do we live in life now? How can we bring peace? I'm going to give you three ideas, okay? Three ideas about peace. You can, later on, there's a little blue sheet in your program. You can take that with you. You might want to use that as a way to reflect tomorrow or tonight about what I talk about. For now, just listen. First, Jesus came to bring us peace with God. So he came to establish a peace with God. Remember, but mankind sinned, and the, the shalom was, uh, the fabric of shalom was, had a hole poked in it. Jesus came to restore our relationship with God. Now, see, according to the Bible, every person is born, every person is born in a broken and a fractured world, but also in a broken and fractured self. We have sin in our lives. But the good news is that Jesus came and he offered a solution to the problem. He came to live, and he came to die for our sins. The primary reason Jesus came to earth in the flesh was to make it possible for us to be reconciled with God. So sin is our biggest problem, and God, because he loves us, he sent Jesus Christ to solve our biggest problem, that he would live and that he would die on a cross, and that as a result of his death, we could have our relationship with God restored, and we can move into wholeness with him. This is what Romans 5.1 says. It says, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace through God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of what he did, we can now have this peace with God. So if you're going to know peace, you've really got to start here. This is the beginning point. This is why all the, I think all the ways that we try to bring world peace or establish peace in our world end up empty because we don't start in the right place. We start by changing our circumstances, thinking that they'll bring lasting peace. Lasting peace only comes in relationship with God. Second idea is this. Jesus came to make it possible for us to know peace with ourselves. So I have peace with God. Now I need to have peace with myself. Now for me, this is the area where I live the most, is coming to understand that God, I can trust God and He'll meet all my needs, and he'll take care of me, and he'll walk with me, and I don't have to be living in fear or anxiety. And so it's really uh, coming to understand that I have peace with myself when I can understand the peace of God. So let's face it. We live in a crazy, chaotic world, right? I mean, you probably saw some news this morning that would be about craziness and about chaos and about pain and about suffering and about injustice, and we see that all around us. And I just want to say this, if we're going to have a peace that lasts, a peace that's impervious to our circumstances that we encounter, we must come to a place where we understand that inside of every one of us, God wants to give his peace. He wants to place it inside of every one of us. The Apostle Paul writes these words in Philippians 4. He says this, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation. Anybody else struggle with anxiety besides me? I think this could be a word for us today. Especially some of you are anxious about the rest of the Christmas season and about how you're going to pay off the Christmas season later. A lot of anxiety about our world. A lot of anxiety about things that we honestly can't change. We just can't change. And he says, don't be anxious about anything. Not some things, anything, everything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present 
your request to God. And then the peace of God, which passes all understanding, transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You can have the peace of God in your life because the prince of peace has come to live in you. This is why I know that our 31-day gratitude experiment that we're in right now has been so impactful for so many people, myself included, as we've stopped to think every day of things we're grateful for, even when it may be a struggle. But as we think for things that we're grateful for and we thank God for his provision for us, it actually changes us on the inside. It can release anxiety. And you know what it puts in its place? Joy. It puts joy in its place. And we can know that because we've experienced the peace of God. Okay, third thing is this. Jesus came to bring the possibility of peace with others. Peace with others. Now, the challenge of this, the challenge of this is, you know, twofold. Is one, is that there's a challenge that I have to uh, experience the peace of God. So I have to, like Mr. Rogers, I have to learn more about God and I have to uh, walk with him and be in person, you know, relationship with him and experience him. So that's the first challenge. I have to be able to have the peace of God. And the second challenge is that now I have to relate to people all around me. And that's the difficult part, right? I mean, it'd be easy if you were all like me. Right? But that's the way we all look at it. It'd be easy if that were the case, but it's just not. So I'm going to talk just a minute about this idea of peace with others. Here's what Jesus said to us. He said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Do you believe that? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. How many of you want our world to be a better place? I think that we would all that we would say that. How many of you would also say that our world needs more peacemakers, not agitators, right? <laughs> we need more peacemakers. We have enough agitators. And I uh, just want to uh, reference that. And I'm going to come back to that in just a minute. And I just want to speak this. I'll just do it now. This is where I'm going to speak to those who are followers of Jesus Christ, is that our role in this world is to be a peacemaker, not an agitator. You know, and this is where I think that followers of Jesus, we get ourselves in trouble, is that we see our role as being agitators in the world because we feel that it's our responsibility to, you know, cram truth down everyone's throat and to make them believe a certain way or to think a certain way or to change now when only God can do that. We have to represent him well, and as we represent him well, then as a God of peace and we are peacemakers, then in that process, we're going to be able to best help others to see him. So Jesus calls us to be peacemakers, and he says, blessed are those then who would seek to bring shalom into our world. Blessed are those who are part of restoring, flourishing relationships. This is what Paul says in Romans 12, 18. He says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, then he says this, live at peace with everyone. And so there's an understanding here that you may not be able to live at peace with everyone. But that doesn't give you permission to say today, well, gosh, I just don't like you, so I'm going to choose not to. But it said, if possible, as you try, as you work, live at peace with everyone, that we would do that. So I just want to say today again, don't be the one that walks into your Christmas dinner today or tomorrow and agitate the room. 
be the one that's going to bring peace into the room by your countenance, by your realization that you don't have to change anybody. Your responsibility is to represent God as you're there. So the bottom line is this. The Prince of Peace makes it possible to establish peace with God, makes it possible for me to have peace with myself, to have the peace of God, and it makes it possible for me to have relationships with others, to be able to be an ambassador of peace. Now, this is where Mr. Rogers really uh, was such a positive example. And so I'm just going to read several quotes. Um, and they're actually, I have two books in my office that were written, they're just quotes, you know, because he wrote every word on every show. And so everything that was spoken by him or his puppets or other people in the show, he wrote. And so they're all quotes from him. And they all have such depth. But especially in this area of peace, I'm just going to read some of those to you just now so you can listen to what he would have to say to us. And this is, folks, just know, the Christ from within him speaking, okay? We live in a world in which we need to share responsibility. It's easy to say, it's not my child, not my community, not my world, not my problem. Then there are those who see the need and respond. I consider those people my heroes. Another one. Imagine what our real neighborhoods would be like if each of us offered, as a matter of course, just one kind word to another person. I remember reading the quote. He says, what is success? Success is this. Success, number one key to success, be kind. Number two, way to have success, be kind. Number three, way to have success, be kind. So he was the one that wanted us to express kindness to everyone. Here's another one. It's, this is so culturally relevant to today, I tell you. It's very dramatic when two people come together to work something out. It's easy to take a gun and annihilate your opposition. Or I would just say social media to annihilate your opposition. But what was really exciting to me is to see people with differing views come together and finally respect each other. Wouldn't that, isn't that the kind of place we want to live? We all want to experience that. And the last one. Being able to resolve conflicts peacefully is one of the greatest strengths we can give our children. So you want to know what your children need for Christmas? They need to see you resolve conflicts in a healthy way. So Jesus made it possible for us to resolve our conflict with God. He made it possible for us to resolve our conflict within and the anxiety we have. And he made it possible for us to resolve our conflict with others. But it requires us being able to come to him and let him change us on the inside. So I'm going to leave these words with you. John 14, it says this. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. This is right before Jesus was going to go to the cross, by the way. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be Afraid. So Jesus says three things here for us about us being able to embrace shalom or flourishing peace. He says this, it's a gift we must choose. It's the first thing we have to choose to receive it, to open ourselves up to the gift. He also says it's a reality that we have to choose to pursue. So just because I received it doesn't mean it's complete. I have to pursue to pursue peace as well. And third, he says, it's a promise we have to choose to embrace, that as I pursue it, that he is going to offer me peace, and he's going to give me his peace. 
So in our series that we've been in, and Dennison mentioned this, and we you know, lit candles already just a few moments ago, we've been lighting candles. And so I'm going to walk over to our uh, display here. And as I do that, I'm just going to set this here just for a moment, and we can talk about this. And so we lit four candles so far, and we started right here. And on our very first Sunday of Advent, we lit the candle of hope. And as we lit that, we talked about the hope that we can all experience that Christ brings. And then the next week, we came over here and we lit what we call the candle of love. And this week, we had a wonderful message as we talked about how God came to bring love into our world. And then we lit the pink candle. The pink candle is the candle of joy. And we talked about joy is a choice. It's an experience we can have when we walk with Jesus. And then this week, we lit the candle of peace, and we talked about how we can experience peace with God, how we can experience peace in our souls, and how we can experience peace in our world as we become peacemakers. Well, the final candle is called the Christ candle. And the Christ candle is white. And it's white because it represents two things. The purity of Jesus Christ that when he came, he was the perfect sacrifice for our sins, the purity of Christ. And secondly, it represents that Jesus came to bring light to our world. He came into the darkness so that those who were living in dark could see God can know that there's hope, love, joy, and peace and experience that with him. This candle is so significant, the Christ candle. As we end our time together, we want to just take a moment and reflect on that. And the thing that we've been doing in this series is we've been taking a practice from Fred Rogers. And Fred Rogers started this on TV for kids to watch where he had a minute of 60 seconds of silence on the airwaves. And he sat before children with a timer and he says, kids, do you know how long 60 seconds is? And they just stopped and they said nothing for a minute. And then he took it from there and most of the places he spoke outside of his show, he would use this. I heard him give a talk at Dartmouth College uh, for their graduation. He had college seniors And he spoke it to them, and he did the same thing. He had a minute of silence. And so I want to have a minute of silence for us now. And we're going to just be able to sit. I'd like you to reflect on what I talked about there, especially if you've never been willing to receive the gift that Jesus brought, the gift of peace with God. Just as you sit there in silence, you could just say something like, God, I'm ready. I want that peace today. And maybe you're in turmoil today in your soul, your spirit is all agitated inside because of the circumstances in your life. And so for you, you might just want to sit there and just breathe in. The Lord is near. There's nothing to fear. The Lord is near. There's nothing to fear. Maybe that's your meditation while we have our 60 seconds of silence. For some of us, it would be that we want to be in prayer for our world and our personal environment for the peace of God to reign and rule in our relationships. Okay? So if you want to bow your heads, just love it if you would do that. We're going to have 60 seconds where you can talk to God.